I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 415 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, we are diving into the latest information on the coronavirus today and what you need to know as parents to keep your kids safe out there. For this, I have an incredible guest joining me today, Dr. Mark Siegel, who has a new book out, COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. Dr. Mark Siegel is the medical director on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. He joined Fox News as a medical contributor back in 2008. He is a columnist for The Hill, a member of the board of contributors at USA Today. He contributes to The Wall Street Journal, National Review, and New York Daily News. Dr. Mark Siegel is a clinical professor, Department of Medicine at NYU Grossman School of Medicine. In addition to his new book, he has authored several books on influenza, contagions, and even a medical thriller entitled Bellevue. I'm honored to have him here to pick his brain a little bit about the pandemic, which has drastically changed all of our lives. Dr. Mark Siegel will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between Dr. Mark Siegel and myself, please get over and hit me with a subscribe on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Okay, and one of the little silver linings for me during this pandemic is that it has made a lot of people become available for interviews. So I've been able to grab some really phenomenal guests during the pandemic for the podcast, including comedian Joel McHale, weatherman Al Roker, Backstreet Boy Nick Carter, my pillow founder Mike Lindell, NFL quarterback Drew Bledsoe, and so many others, all of which are available to listen to at your convenience in the archives of the podcast. All right, coming your way on Friday, I got a fresh Frogman. Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood, former Navy SEAL and Director of Player Development at Illinois, Jake Zwig will be here with me. Don't miss out on that. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out which dads will be joining me here on the podcast next week. And if you guys could be so kind as to leave me with a rating or review on Spotify or iTunes, wherever it is that you enjoy listening to the podcast here, it really goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with Dr. Mark Siegel. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Today's episode is being brought to you by Manscaped. And dads, 2020 has been a year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing that you can control, and that is shaving that area that made you a dad in the first place. My sponsors over at Manscaped.com are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premier electric trimmer that is waterproof with advanced skin-safe technology, so you never have to worry about scratching those love spuds while you're giving yourself a smooth shave. The Lawnmower 3.0 is included in the Perfect Package 3.0, and for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you're going to get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Box of Briefs. And let me tell you something right now, guys. The Anti-Chafing Cooling Box of Briefs are the best pair of drawers I've ever put on. So what are you waiting for? Visit Manscaped.com. Use my promo code FATHER. You're going to save 20% off your order plus free shipping. That's 20% off your order plus get free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code FATHER and get rid of those short hairs in your short pants today. Joining me now, First Class Father, Dr. Mark Siegel. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. 
Oh, I'm very, really good to be here. I love being a father. One of my favorite things in the world. All right, let's start it here then. How many kids do you have and how old are they? So listen, I have three kids. And actually, a lot of the stories in my book, COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science, have to do with my kids because I learned about fear from being a father and about, and, and about how to conquer fear and what you see. And keep in mind, and you know this better than anyone, better than me, that things are dilated in children's brains. And so if you show them courage, they, it amplifies their response, especially when they're very little. If you show them fear, it amplifies their response. I remember when my oldest son was about two or three years old, we were hiking in a volcano in Hawaii. This is in my book, by the way. And all of a sudden, at, at, at a time of dusk, when everybody was tired, we couldn't find the path back and we heard a dog barking in the distance. And my son got shook up because we were shook up. And we and he was afraid for of dogs for years after that. Same same idea with my daughter uh, around the time that she broke her leg when she was very little. She was in a, a bath with bubbles, the bath made bubbles, and she was afraid of the noise for a while. So as parents, we really have to watch it because fear is the most powerful emotion in the human brain. And it, it overrides reason every single time. We think that we're reason oriented, that we can reason through things. We think that we can come out the other side by thinking things through. It's always emotions. We can battle the, the emotion of fear with courage, with happiness, with laughter, with love. We can't battle it with reason. And that's what we're having. That's the problem we're having right now with COVID. Yeah, wow. Very well said, uh, doctor. And, and you know what? Uh, going along with that, too, I think a lot of our limited beliefs about ourselves are implanted when we're kids too where we think we can't be something more than what we are and i think sometimes if the wrong seed is planted in a kid he may never think he can amount to something because he's been told that and i think that that puts a limit on where he thinks he can go in life and i think that's similar to to what the fear does to these kids uh, so so true and we're hitting that right now with covid if you tell your kids it has to be online only or you tell them you know this is what's safe and you're not right about that it's going to stay with them for a long time to come Kids have much greater potential than we do. I told this story the other day about how my youngest son, he's now 15, was riding off to high school because the high school reopened and he was happy to go on the bus with his friends smiling. I'm nervous behind him, worried, is there COVID there? Is there COVID there? But what the key thing was the bus, the friends, the school. Kids are not as afraid as we are. Naturally, we teach them fear and we have to not. Yeah, yeah, very well said. And, uh, you know, it, I, you know, Thanksgiving and the holidays are right around the corner here. And we're here in certain states are telling us don't have your normal family gatherings, have a limited amount of people at the Thanksgiving table this year and stuff like that. Uh, what would you suggest for families? Should they limit their holiday traditions this year? Do you plan to limit your holiday traditions? How should families go about it this year? I think that uh, we have to learn public health measures and then they wouldn't be superimposed on us. I forgot to add when I was talking about fear, you know what happens if you if you give into fear? The government then uses the fear to control you or the media uses the fear to create ratings, which then causes the government to control you. They keep taking a bow every time they constrict your liberty. So I'm all for Thanksgiving. But why don't we do it in responsible ways? Why does it have to be either or? Either, either I walk around with a mask like a mummy or I say a mask is ridiculous and I don't wear, wear it at all. How come you're either distancing or you're, in, or you're in a crowd huddling? Why can't there be a middle ground where you obey the basic ideas of how not to spread viruses while at the same time getting together, whether it's outside, whether it's a heated backyard, 
whether it's inside but with good ventilation, with distancing. I'm all for Thanksgiving. I think the more of these traditions we give up, the worse we're going to end up doing. Yeah, very well said. And I think even as a parent, you talk about fear. That's the way we use to try to control our kids. If we don't want them to uh, do something, we try to give fear to, to, to make them obey what we're telling them to do. And I think that's what we're seeing now. We're being scared and then shamed into behaving in certain ways. And you're seeing it, you know, all over there. You talk about masks now. We hear these. Is there medical uh, proof to back up the fact that masks will prevent this coronavirus? And is it safe for kids to be wearing these masks all day long in the school? Well, so here's my answer to that. We only have weak mask science. We don't have large amount of it. it. We have enough science behind masks for me to believe in them. But what I'm really worried about is when somebody wears a mask, it's dangling off their face, it's filthy, it's dirty, it's hanging off their chin, and then they come zooming up right next to you as though they're invulnerable because of the mask. They've lost sense of all reality. Should kids wear masks in school in close quarters? I've talked to many pediatricians and pediatric infectious disease specialists. Obviously, I interview them all the time. They're convinced that if you have the right kind of a mask, kids can tolerate it. It, it really depends. My kid's school has an emblem mask that, that has the emblem of the school printed in it. And it's kind of like a, got a little filter on it, and it's very comfortable to wear. So I think it's okay to have masks at schools, provided they're not constricting masks. They can be part of, a, of, a, of the apparel that you wear, but it shouldn't be a form of punishment, as you say, or some kind of confinement. Right. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, I wanted to hit you on this is that, you know, there's talks about a vaccine maybe being available by the end of this year, maybe by early next year. Since kids don't seem to be as affected by this coronavirus as much as people in the older age brackets, uh, would you recommend for parents to allow their kids to get this vaccination when it comes out? So here's the answer to that. It's going to start with me, a healthcare worker, an older healthcare worker. Healthcare workers are going to get it first. We're going to watch. They're going to tolerate it. It's going to work. Then we're going to say, hey, give it to the elderly. Then the elderly get it. Then we say, hey, give it to obese people, high risk conditions, poor people, people that are more prone to severe side effects of the minority communities. Then we're going to say, let's give it to the general population. Kids should not be on the front of the line because they tend to get mild cases. So I think by the time it gets to the point where I've had it, where a lot of older people have had it, where people in high risk groups have it, I'm then going to be able to come back on here and say, hey, you know what? We've already given it to a couple hundred thousand people, maybe a million people. Now let's try the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Let me back this up to you then uh, as a dad here. About how old were you, Dr. Siegel, when you first became a dad and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? I became a father when I was around 40 and I have three children now and it changed my life incredibly because um, I had just published the novel, my first book at the time my, my son was was uh, was born. And I felt like I had two two children, my book and him. And I learned to divert myself from my own needs to his needs. And I and I found that I was not living through him. That's not what fathers should do. Do not live through your kids, but see your kids as having have having special talents and skills and abilities that you don't have. One of the things that that's really great. I, I use two words to describe this. Cultivate your children's talents. Cultivate. And the second word, be proud of your children. But don't don't make your children live what you never did or, or, or never accomplished or wanted always to accomplish. That is an enormous mistake. Right now, my oldest son is showing tremendous writing ability. And I've been a writer ever since I was little. And I'm so proud of him. I, I read his stuff. I go, whoa, who is this that writes better than me? And then I go, wait a minute, this is my son. But that's the extent of it. It's his career. It's his. Right now, he's working uh, 
novelist, but he's he's also publishing poems and short stories as I did. I'm so proud of him, but I stay out of it. And so as your children get older, you do less guiding and more and more pride, more more just pleasure at seeing your your children. The, The best thing that a parent can do, and I'm sure you agree, is to see your children become independent and succeed on their own. Yeah, good stuff. And I do agree. And one of the things that's kind of fun about it is like my oldest son became interested in chess at an early age. And it was a game that I never played in my life. I, I never would have imagined myself playing chess, but I ended up learning how to play it. Now we all play it in the family. It's a big part of what we do. And, and those are kind of things that, you know, uh, you got to follow and, and get behind what they get interested in. And it kind of takes you in different directions, uh, which is pretty cool to see. What would you say are the, are the top values that you hope to instill in your kids as they grow up? Why is First Class Fatherhood climbing to the top of the podcasting charts? Listen to what dads like UFC President Dana White, legendary New York City radio host Greg T, and Navy SEAL David Rutherford have to say about the podcast. What a cool podcast. It's one of the coolest ones I've ever did. And congrats, seriously, I mean it. What a cool podcast concept, and uh, I I love it. Good for you, man. Continued success. Dude, I love this podcast, man. Your questions are phenomenal, bro. Phenomenal. I am really happy, and I can tell you honestly, I'm proud to be a part of it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Alec, and and God bless you and what you're doing. Keep it up. Uh, I think the uh, compiling this many fathers and this much great information is going to be invaluable in so many ways. So I, I wish you all the best, brother. So let's go, dads. We are not babysitters. We are fathers, and we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Subscribe to First Class Fatherhood today. Uh, which is pretty cool to see. What would you say are the are the top values that you hope to instill in your kids as they grow up? By the way, before I answer that, I got I got to tell you, my youngest is a daredevil, and I hate that. So when I was eighteen, I I dove off of cliffs. We did cliff diving while we were riding our bicycles across the United States. I hated that, but I remember taking my son a few years ago to the Atlantis, and he's going down dead man's dive, and I'm like, do I have to do this because I'm a father? Do I have to do this? You know, so so that. There are things that, and one other thing is my, my youngest son is a tremendous technical wizard and I'm not, he got my father's engineering gene, which missed me. So he runs my, my TV studio. I can't believe it. I'm so happy about that. I go, Sam, Sam, help, help. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Did you, did, did you end up doing the jump or no? Yeah, but it was one of the roughest moments. Yeah. And then they made me go up. Yes, I did the jump. Then they made me go up in a helicopter one time. To film, to film, to do a filming uh, shoot, and I'm like, "How long is this going to be?" They said seven minutes, and I, it was the longest seven minutes of my life. You're a daredevil, <laughs> not me. You're the daredevil. <laughs> so, what would you say then are the top values that you hope to instill in the kids as they're growing up? Independence is number one. Honesty is number two, because there's so much dishonesty in our society. If you can teach your kids to be honest, so it's independence, honesty, and caring. You know, put other people be. be aside from yourself. It can't always be about you. Isn't that boring? People that are always about themselves. So it's independence, integrity, and caring. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I know Dale Carnegie once said, if you talk to somebody about themselves, they'll listen all day long. You know, it's it's a better way to turn the conversation. Let me, let me jump into your book here. COVID, the politics of fear and the power of science. Why did you write the book and what separates it from the other COVID books that are out there? It's because of the fear factor. I wanted people to understand the following point, because I've written a previous fear book. I started off with COVID saying, I can't write the fear angle because everyone's going to think I'm diminishing the actual COVID angle, which is pretty freaking scary. But then I thought of something. I thought, 
the worse the virus, the more of a threat, the more the fear level is going to go up, the more you're over going to overpersonalize the risk. So it's a narrative series of stories. COVID is my book is about stories that occur that teach me how to guide myself through the fear and come out the other side. My father and mother play a very crucial part in that because they're actually alive in their mid 90s. And I have a series of stories in there called the porch stories where they're sitting in their old porch where I grew up and I visit them physically distancing. They're wearing masks and they they teach me things, things I didn't know. And th- th- this is your point. What do you learn that you didn't know? Here's here's one. My father got over uh, COVID-19 himself in his 90s and his cardiologist gave him hydroxychloroquine and he, he thought he was laughing at it. Well, I don't think that's what helped me. Meanwhile, a few years later, a few weeks later, he got antibodies that showed he had actually had COVID and my mother too. And now months later, he's convinced it was the hydroxy. So he says to me on the porch, whatever happened to this drug? I said, well, people don't believe it works. Science didn't show it works. And he says at 97, how, when did they give it? In the hospital or when people were first getting sick like me? And I said, dad, you're right. They're not giving it when people are first getting sick. They didn't study it in the right, in the right time. And so I, I learned from my father how to look at things in a, lar- in a higher perspective. And then, same as I'm trying to teach my children. Uh, and then my father says to me, by the way, Mark, did you know that in 1976 I took the swine flu vaccine and I got very sick and I, I don't think my memory has been the same, the same since? I said, no, I never knew that. And he said, what about this vaccine? And he said, there's a big difference. I said, what's the difference? He said, this time there actually is a disease and it's very dangerous and it's very threatening and it's called COVID. He said, I really hate all the fear mongering going on about this vaccine. This vaccine I would take. Of course, he probably doesn't need it because he has the antibodies already. This vaccine I would take. The one in 1976 was ridiculous. And then there's my mother on the porch. My mother said, do you know who Uncle Leonard was? And I said, no, I never heard of Uncle Leonard. She said, I had a brother. I said, really? Whatever happened to him? I never heard of him. My mother's 90, 95, and I never heard about her brother. She said when her brother was born eight years before she was born, and she never met him either because at nine months of age, he had two severe ear infections, and they needed to drain his ears for him to survive, but they couldn't do it because the hospitals were filled with a killer pandemic virus known as the Spanish flu. This was 1918, and she cautions at 95 Let's not let that happen again. And it is happening. Too many, too many medical procedures and interventions are being overlooked because of people clogging the emergency rooms from COVID-19. So we can learn lessons from the past. And I learned a lot on, on this porch about how not to be afraid and to co- show courage in the face of this virus. It's the best way to beat it. And we also have to embrace the technology that we're using to beat it, the treatments that are coming out, the and the monoclonal antibodies, the uh, antivirals, the steroids, and finally the vaccines. I embrace the idea that these vaccines are coming at light speed, at warp speed. Yeah, very well said. I'm going to have a link in the description of this podcast episode to your book so my listeners can get over there and check it out. And one of the things, Dr. Siegel, is, is we get so many different – this is the age of technology. You get information the fastest way possible. But now it just seems like everything is conflicting. This this thing seems to be political in some points. It seems like we're getting conflicting stories about masks, vaccine, which way to do it. What would you say, other than reading your book here, what would you say uh, is the best piece of advice you could give uh, to families about how to go about their life here with the coronavirus? Don't rely on dogma. Who's ever telling you it's this way or the highway, it's dogma. Rely on the fact that this is an evolving situation and we're learning day to day. 
Beware of the dogma. Beware of the ridicule. Beware of the divisiveness. We're in a terrible time now of division. It's not just the virus that makes us afraid. It's our leaders. It's each other. I would say that kindness piece that I was talking about, kindness is a cure for fear and it's a cure for dogma. Learn as we go. Be happy for the technology we have, the technology that allows us to, to have this to have this Skype call with, with, with a great host, the technology that allows us to have online learning if necessary, technology that's leading to tremendous cures at a rate of speed for a brand new deadly virus. But the old fashioned things we need are caring and accepting each other. Do not, do not ridicule someone for disagreeing with you. Try to learn what their side is and incorporate it into your own. Well said, and that may tie right over into my last question here. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? So speaking of fear, you're going to be afraid. (laughs) You're going to be afraid when you're a new dad, as I was, about loss of love from your new spouse. You're not ready for this, but your spouse is going to divert affection to the child. And what you need to do, and this is so important for fathers out there, That's how you learn to be a father, to understand that you can love that child, too, the way the mother is, equal to the mother. I like to say, and I don't think this came from me, but I like to say, what percentage of a a parent should I be? And the answer is each parent is 100%. Each is 100%. Not each is 50%. Each is 100%. You act as a father as though the mother's not there. The mother acts as though you're not there, and the child gets twice the amount of love. Do not be jealous of your newborn. That's my biggest lesson that I learned from my life. Yeah, wow. Very well said. I love the advice. Uh, This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Dr. Mark Siegel, your first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. You are a great guy, and you have a great podcast. Thank you for joining me. An honor. Thank you. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Dr. Mark Siegel for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love reading your feedback. Lock it in. I'm going to close out the week with a Frogman Friday edition of the podcast here. Former Navy SEAL and Director of Player Development at Illinois, Jake Zwig will be joining me here. Don't miss out on that. Make sure you are following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lakes to find out which dads will be joining me here next week. I got a real special guest to drop for you guys for Election Day. So find out who that is. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Feelings.